Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey Browns fans, Doug Maurice here. Gotta watch the tape coming your way this Tuesday. This is it. We normally do gotta watch the tape on Thursday, but OTAs later this week will have some fresh coverage and content for you on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. So we moved up, gotta watch the tape. It's time for Demetric Felton finishing up our breakdown, film, and numbers on the Browns draft pick. Let's figure out where Felton fits into this. Thanks for listening, as always, to Gotta Watch the Tape. Dive in on Gotta Watch the Tape from Cleveland.com. Doug Maurice, Scott Patsko, finishing up the Browns draft picks. And listen, we were going to do the last three, and then Scott was like, ah, can we just do that wiggly guy who's like a skill position player? So, Richard You're making LeCount. me the bad guy again here. Oh, You're saying it. I don't want to talk about Richard LeCount and, and Tony Fields. That's not the case. I just I, find this guy more interesting. I like making you the bad boy of the Browns podcasts because you're like this numbers guy. You break down, you're analytical. And then it's just like uh, the Browns hate Richard Higgins. And so that's where it started for me. And so like, I'm just like every time there's any like somewhat non hundred percent positive opinion, I'm just like, well, that's how Scott Patsko. We, we, we know what he's like. He's ruthless. And he was so ruthless. He said, I don't want to analyze Tony Fields. So we're not going to do it. But this other guy is, is interesting. He is about as interesting, Scott, as a sixth round pick, I think, can be. And I think, like, he's about, uh, Browns fans and media, I think, are about as excited about him as we can be for a sixth round pick because there's a lot of, I mean, like, people, Demetric Felton got picked by the Browns and people were already, like, plugging him into the offense. And I'm like, is he going to make the team? But (laughs) I have uh, some comparisons that I did with Demetric Felton and another person that I will bring up later. You're going to break down the numbers. I have a couple film clips that we can look at briefly at the end. Still no Ellis. He'll be back soon. But Scott Pasco, it's Demetric Felton time. Dive in on Gotta Watch the Tape. Ooh, I have a comparison, too. I wonder if we're going to have the same guy. This is going Ooh, to be exciting. That would be good if it is. Yeah, okay. So, right. I, I did want to get to, to Felton because – uh, I think it's notable that of the three offensive players the Browns drafted, two of them have skills that you don't really see from other people on the roster right now, right? Anthony Schwartz has the speed that you know no one else can match. And then Felton has this versatility as a running back and the ability as a route runner that they don't really have uh, in the backfield right now. So who is Felton? He's began his career at UCLA as a slot receiver 
caught 22 passes over his first two seasons uh, with the Bruins. And then he switched to running back due to injuries in the backfield. That's how he explained it uh, when we got to talk to him uh, after the draft. And he did mostly wide receiver drills of the senior bowl. But Kevin Stefanski said, you're running back. And that's what he told us. And that's how Felton was starting with the Browns. But even after switching to running back at UCLA, he continued to be a pass catching weapon. He had 55 catches as a junior, uh, which is a lot. And then he had 22 last season in just six games. So don't be surprised to see him in camp, in motion, into the slot. And by the way, he's about the same size as Jarvis Landry. He's 5'9", 189. That's what he measured at his pro day. Landry is 5'11", 196. So he's kind of in that ballpark of uh, of slot receiver, of like cliche slot receiver size, you know, the smaller guy that you see in that spot. Although more varied sizes are, are showing up in the slot nowadays. Even Rashard Higgins got snaps there uh, a couple years ago. So, But as a runner, uh, Felton averaged 5.1 yards per carry last season. 132 carries, 668 yards, seven touchdowns. He's not a between-the-tackles runner, which I'm sure you, most people would probably assume looking at his size. only uh, Actually, it was less than half. About 66 of his carries were actually between the tackles. He averaged 4.8 yards per attempt on those. But outside, uh, off-tackle or, or to the outside, 5.3 yards per attempt. And also when he's running outside, he caused – 24 missed or broken tackles on those outside plays. He actually gets a lot more uh, broken tackles than you would suspect for a guy his size. Yeah, uh, PFF had a thing before the draft on him, and broken tackles were very big in yeah. that. And I will interject and say he's a guy who started off as a receiver. He's not that big. In a brief film review, I actually thought he was better between the tackles than I expected him to be. So I know that's not his bread and butter, but I thought he had pretty good vision and found some holes inside, which if you can't do that as a running back, you can't like, they can't hand you the ball because you can't bounce out. You can't bounce wide on every single handoff in the NFL because there's super fast athletic dudes chasing you. And I do think there's an instinct for some certain players at certain levels. It's like, well, I'm faster than guys here. It's like, well, yeah, you're faster than this guy from Arizona state but you're not faster than the guy from the Ravens. So you have to be able to do something between the tackles. And I thought he could do enough. So I'll be, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but like, it's like, yes, you're right. Because he is this hybrid guy and he's a smaller guy, but I was maybe expecting to be like, Oh, like he's incompetent at that. And, and I don't, cause even you said like he averaged four point something, right. He didn't average two and a half. Right. He's not just a little guy running into a wall who can't find any room. I I actually thought he was okay at that. Yeah. I don't think Felton up the middle is going to replace Metcalf up the middle as far as uh, frustrations with the Browns running game. He's not that uh, he's not that at all. Uh, And as for PFF, like you mentioned, uh, 80.3 rushing grade. And I think that's for his whole career because last season uh, they had him. uh, I found a a grade for him at 67.1. So, but again, he's very elusive 95.1 elusive rating, which is notable for a guy that again is going to be that kind of has that perception of being a hybrid yeah he has to be able to do things to make people miss and he clearly can yards after contact he's also above average 3.36 for him he forced uh 36 missed or broken tackles last season is in his 132 rushing attempts 
yeah, I think the, the one before was just outside. So 36 total missed or broken uh, tackles. They didn't really differentiate between the two, but that, again, is pretty good. Uh, he only graded 48.5 as a receiver last season, which was kind of eye-catching, but he was much better in 2019. He set a school record with those 55 catches. Yep. He averaged 10.8 yards per catch. So he has big play potential, and he showed that in 2019. Four of his touchdowns were of 75 yards or more. So, again, that, that hybrid player, that versatile player, and versatile is a word that just keeps coming up with all these draft picks. And like I said at the top, he's someone that I think brings something. We don't know exactly how it's going to look yet with the Browns because we haven't seen them all in the field together. But he seems to be someone who's going to bring something different. And kind of building off what you said at the very top, I think one of the reasons why people have high hopes for Dimitri Felton even though he's a sixth round pick is because of the guy they picked last season in the sixth round, Donovan people's Jones, who mm. if people don't get hurt, if Jojo Natson doesn't get hurt, if Kadero Hodge doesn't get hurt, people's Jones might, might've gotten 20 snaps last season, but people did get hurt. He got on the field and he made plays. And I think I, I just get the sense that there's like a carryover factor. Like, Oh, Andrew Barry, Andrew Barry did a good job with, with people's Jones. He got someone in the sixth round who was able to produce and, and, and have an impact last season in a small amount. And maybe he did it again here with Felton. Is that who you're comparing Felton to is Donovan people's Jones, or do you have a different comparison? Well, well, not as a player, but I think maybe as like potential production or just Mm -hmm. having an impact on the offense, a guy who, look, he's not going to, I mean, hunt and Chubb, get the bulk of the carries. The only reason Darius Johnson got play last season was because Chubb got hurt. And even then they really leaned into Kareem Hunt when Chubb was out. But you want a guy who has the ability to, to step in there and do something. And Felton, at least from a versatility standpoint, seems to have that, uh, that potential. You know, you don't just have to hand him a ball. You can, you can do different things with him. So when you said off the top, when I said I have a guy I want to compare him to, and you said you have a comparison too. Have you mentioned that comparison? Was, okay. Cause I'm getting excited. I want to <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's do your comparison right now. Who's your comparison? Who, okay. Who? Well, before I get to the one I really want to talk about, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a different guy really briefly here first. It's, and this is the one that PFF brought up and I've saw his name jump uh, pop up on a couple other sites uh, that kind of did player comps for draft picks. And that the first person is Justin Forsett who was a seventh round pick of the Seahawks. He spent 11 years or seven years in the league. Browns fans will remember him from his two years with the Ravens. One of those was 2014. He was a pro bowler. He had 1200 rushing yards, caught like 44 passes. That was the only team that really let him be a regular starter. Uh, Most of the NFL comparisons you're going to find for Felton are guys who were like seventh rounders or just undrafted. Yeah. But there is another comparison that jumped out to me recently. And that was, when I was looking through the list of available free agents to see who was still out there. And I came across a name that kind of caused me to stop and made me think of Felton. And that's Duke Johnson. And I don't know if that was oh. your guy. Or not. Wait, does Duke Johnson, is Duke Johnson not on a team? Duke Johnson is still a free agent. Wow. It, yeah. it, it is. This is why it's like, we have these conversations all the time about what are the Browns going to do? Are they going to sign guys? Are they keep them? What are they going to do with this guy? And it just, for all of us, it makes me laugh sometimes. The people that in the moment that you can act like are irreplaceable. It was like, what are they going to do if Duke leaves? And it's like, <laughs> nothing. 
It's fine. It's not that he's not a good player, but really, truly, I mean, there are a handful of players on each NFL team that are irreplaceable. A handful. Five, eight, maybe 10 on a good team, but you probably, even if you have 10, you can't keep all 10 anyway. Four, six, and like the, 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 the consternation around Duke Johnson, and he was productive in Houston, right? It's not like when he went to the Texans, he wasn't terrible. He played for them. He was okay. But now he doesn't have a team because he's fine. But you can find Duke Johnson's in the world. And the whole point is, well, the people were like, well, you can't lose Duke. It's like, well, you could draft the Duke Johnson in the sixth round here, potentially, Scott, which mm-hmm. is what you're maybe saying. Yeah, and I think – the re- I guess the, re- the reason I really kind of drew that line is like we remember Duke Johnson for setting that, that record for catches by a running back. I think it's 74 in 2017. And like Al Saunders just raved about Duke Johnson's passing ability. He was throwing around like Marshall Falk's name as a comp, like as a pass catcher and, and ability that, that Duke Johnson had. And But Duke Johnson was 5'9", about 207 coming out of Miami, a little bit heavier than Felton, but but same height. Uh, their pro days were very similar. They both ran a four five forty. They both had like similar 10 yard splits. They both did about the same thing in the vertical jump, like athletically and just size wise, very similar. They both showed they could catch patches in college and also carry a big workload as a running back. Like Duke had over 200 carries his final season at Miami. Felton had 132 last season and that was just in six games. So I just, when I, the more I, I, I watched Felton and, 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 you know, looked at the numbers and it's just, it just kept coming back to Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson made about like two, four and 5 million last season with the Texans. Would you sign him? Like if you get him for 2 million this year, just one year, 2 million move Felton to the practice squad, you get, you get rid of Dernis Johnson and his like $800,000 contract. I do that. No, I would do that. Would you do that? If, if I thought, no, I, I, I would do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have something I want to talk about that. I think how this matters here and, yeah, no, I would. I actually would. Can we do that? Is that we? I don't think we, the Browns, like, can we got to watch the tape, suggest that to the Browns? I've, I'm not weeing the Browns, my God. If I ever we the Browns in my life, please just revoke my credentials to be a podcast host. Right. But could we get Andrew Barry to sign Duke Johnson? I mean, who's going to sign Duke Johnson otherwise? Bring him back. He suffered. He suffered, man. Let him have hey. some of the glory. I think the dream, I don't know if you ever really had the dream of being a, a, a main running back, but that's clearly over. He's not that, and he's not going to be that. You know, if he comes here and everybody's healthy, he might only get, you know, 10 snaps a game. But wouldn't you feel a lot better with Duke Johnson as your third running back as opposed to Dernis Johnson or Felton, uh, especially if, you know, Hunt or Chubb has to miss some time? I, I don't know. It just it makes sense. I don't know if he would. What, what he's looking for contract wise, but you know, he didn't make a ton of money last season. And if you're going to invest in a position, I think the Browns found out last year, how valuable it is. You have competent play behind Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt, because when Chubb went out, Dernis Johnson didn't exactly step up to the moment and get to a next level. I, you were like, Oh, I have a comparison. It's like, Oh, I have a, I have a comparison for, for Demetric Felton, I'll just I'll just throw my comparison out. It's like, oh, Justin Forsett, he's a good random player that I barely know who it is. And then you drop a Duke bomb. You're Duke bombing this podcast. That's right. People are jumping up and down in their cars. They're pumping their fists. Bring back Duke. Oh, my God. This is 
can we just make it a, a Duke John? Sorry, Dimitri. Who? Well, of course, the point here is that Felton could be that kind of of player who who's really a huge receiving threat out of the backfield. And uh, you know whether whether he sets a record like Duke did, but you know the year before that, I think Duke had like 50, 53 catches. So I mean, I think that that seems like it's a realistic uh, goal for for Felton. But who's so who's your comp? Well, let's talk about that. It, mine isn't a comp that he's like this guy, but I want to talk about Felton in comparison to another guy. And we'll do that next on got to watch the tape. Doug Maurice back with Scott Patsko. Here's what I want to talk about. Cause I want to talk about Felton, Demetri Felton in comparison to to Ernest Johnson, Scott, because you've talked about this. So I think one of the great fallacies of last year was that brief moment when Nick Chubb got hurt. And there were a few people on our podcast who were like, ah, they'll be fine. It's like, ah, they'll just put into Ernest Johnson. And that's like, and it's like, no, it was not. And I said, what are you talking about? Because here's, here's what I do think. Just like backup quarterback really is a really important position for a Super Bowl contender. I mean, it is, again, I, have, I think your backup quarterback, if you're good, I think your backup quarterback might be one of your 10 most important positions. Because if, if you have a position where if one guy gets hurt, your season is over, and all the other good things you have don't matter. That's a really important position. I think quarterback is that. For this team, with the way they use the run game and the way they use two running backs, I think third running back is kind of important because we saw, I think people can think, oh, well, if one of them gets hurt, they'll just use the other one and they'll be fine. But they use the run game so much, I think they use the run game to the point, ideally, that they do need two guys they believe in. Because I don't think they want a Derrick Henry one guy, right? Because I do think their production goes down. Now, of course, what happened last year when Nick Chubb was hurt, who else was hurt while Nick Chubb was hurt? Scott, Mr. Wyatt Teller. Wyatt Teller was also hurt, so that also matters. We know that. We say it every time. Of course, it matters. But Kareem Hunt by himself, as good as Kareem Hunt was, wasn't nearly as good when he was having to do everything. And then when you put the Ernest Johnson in the game as an actual, okay, like here's a series for you. He was nothing. I know when he, when Demetric Felton got drafted, people thought, Oh, he was a wide receiver at the senior bowl. He might be a run. He might be a receiver now. And then the Browns were like, Nope, he's a running back. He's a running back. I think he's their third running back. And I think he's their third running back. I think he's going to beat out the Ernest Johnson. And I think he's got enough as a running back that the big thing here, I know we'll get into how they could use it. I think he's the emergency running back. So that if Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb is hurt for any length of time, they can put another guy in for a series and not run the remaining running back into the ground and get something out of that guy. So my comparison is I want to talk about Demetric Felton compared to Ernest Johnson, because I think I looked at Ernest Johnson as a, prospect when he came out of college and Demetric Felton is just better in every way. And like actually for a team that relies on the run game, as much as the Browns do, Dearness Johnson is not good enough as a, as their third back. Like, you know what I mean, Scott? Like, I don't want to put too much emphasis on it, but we saw it. We saw. Okay. Like when he had his time, he had that one run. He had the one run at the end of a game that people were like, look, and it's like, okay, that was, that was literally one play. Do, do you agree with me that, that that to me, it's like when we go through and everybody, by the way, I am, I'm not amused by it, but it's like, we've been talking about this stuff since January. There's so much national stuff now. Every day there's a new national person saying like, you know who's good? The Browns. 
I've looked at the Browns roster. I can't believe there's no holes. It's like, yeah, welcome to catching up with orange and Brown talk and got to watch the tape from two and a half months ago. Welcome to the rest of the football world. The Browns are good, but this is actually an upgrade Scott position, Scott. And if you can actually upgrade one of the 45 active positions on the roster, because you're going to have a third running back active every single game. This is the upgrade unless it's Duke, but I think they need an upgrade there. And I think this is it. I don't think they're going to play him at receiver. I think, but then the other thing that's good, Scott is while he's being the third running back, who's not needed, unless there's an injury, he might be a return guy. He can give you a little something with the wrinkle. Like he does have, again, we talk about this with so many guys. They're one thing, but they're also kind of another thing. He's your third running back who also, even if Chubb and Hunt are both healthy, might be able to do something for a couple snaps a game, which again, Dearness Johnson doesn't interest me that way. So I want to get into the direct comparison between those two. But what do you think? Is is that how you're thinking about this, that he's just going to take Johnson's spot? Well, it, it's almost like it's come full circle here because there was Duke Johnson, right? And then Duke became disgruntled. And the storyline was, well, they got Dontrell Hilliard and look at all the cool things he can do. Uh, he, he can, he can catch passes and he's kind of the same kind of guy uh, as a running back and looked great in camp. I mean, people were raving about him in camp when Duke Johnson wasn't uh, showing up during OTAs, you know, and then Dernis Johnson comes in and basically becomes the new version of Dontrell Hilliard and knocks him off. And so now they've gotten back to maybe with more uh, found a guy who's maybe more like Duke Johnson uh, in, in Felton than, you know, Nacho Hilliard was than, than, than Dernis Johnson was. So yeah, I think that is the spot that he's trying to win here for sure. And you brought up kick returner. That's just one more comparison I had for, for Duke, him and Duke Johnson, because Duke handled that role when he was here. He also did punts and, I don't think Felton actually did punt returns in college, but he did kickoffs and he averaged 26 yards uh, per return in 2019. So that's clearly something he can do. And I think if you're the third guy on this depth chart at running back, you have to be able to do that because they got a few guys who seem to be battling for the punt return duty, but they seem to like a running back doing kick returns. Ernest Johnson did it quite a bit uh, last season as well. So yeah, I like that comparison. And I do think that, uh, if you're putting like, you know, Duke Johnson to Ernest Johnson, Dontrell Hilliard and Felton all in a group, I think Felton is the one who rises close to, to what Duke Johnson was here. Dearness Johnson coming out of college at South Florida, his combine measurements, he was uh, Johnson was five ten and a half. Felton was five eight and a half. So Felton smaller uh, at the combine. Uh, Dearness Johnson was 200 pounds. Obviously, no combine last year, but his pro, the, the numbers for Felton, I guess, at his pro day. 189 pounds. So Felton's a little smaller. He is Mm -hmm. 40 time. This is the biggest thing. 40 time. Dearness Johnson ran a 4.81, which is (laughs) not very fast. Felton is not a speed burner. Exactly. 4.59, but that's significantly faster than Dearness Johnson. I do want to say everybody gets excited. Ellis is not here. He did do a film breakdown that we'll include in the post. And, and he didn't say it. He didn't say he's like this and that his seal, he caught himself or whatever. He did say the, the name Curtis Samuel yeah. with Demetric felt. That was like, okay. I mean, like I've, I think he said ceiling. Like I, high ceiling. Okay. And, and also, by the way, Curtis Samuel was like a four, three. And like, I like Curtis Samuel was like Ohio state's best receiver and best running back and single-handedly beat Michigan one year and was <laughs> the entire offense of a team that made the playoffs. So 
there is no ceiling for Demetric Felton that approaches anything that Curtis Samuel does, but I still think he could be a good sixth round pick. Uh, Johnson did have better shuttle, better three cone than Felton's, but better vertical slightly for Felton. But here's the main thing. just like as a running back, right? The Ernest Johnson, who also did a bunch of stuff in college too, uh, his senior year, 16 carries, 66 yards per game. That was his average. 16 for 66, 4.1. Felton last year, 22 carries, 111 yards per game. 5.1. As you said, 5.1. Like He was just much more of like a real ball carrier. And again, he was doing it in the Pac-12. Dernis Johnson was doing it in, in, in the American Conference. So like, Felton's better than Dearness Johnson. So he's going to take his job. And like, I'm pretty confident that's going to happen. And they need an upgrade there. He's clearly an upgrade, but it's one of these things. I always talk about this. It's like, well, it's like, well, he can play receiver. It's like, well, how actually good is he at receiver? Is he an NFL receiver? No, probably not. But if he's a running back who can catch like a receiver, now that's a better use of his skills. Don't move the pass catching running back to receiver play the pass catching running back at running back. He can do enough when you hand him the ball to keep the defense honest. And then if you throw him a screen or a little swing pass and get him out in space, then he can really do something. But we talked a lot about the David and Joku screen against the chiefs last year, right? We love the David and Joku screen. It was good, but who would have done it better? Ellis wants that play to go to Kareem hunt. Like there's a world, right? That I'm not saying when everybody's healthy, you put, Demetric Felton in, but it goes back a little bit to our Anthony Schwartz conversation, Scott. Every time Felton's in the game, he'll be the fifth best skill player on the field for the Browns. And if your fifth best skill guy can take a swing pass or a screen pass and get 15 yards out of it, out of it, that's pretty good. And I do think that's kind of how he will help this offense here and there. Yeah. When we think about him in the Browns office, we think about him creating matchup problems not as a running back, but how are they going to use him to, to get him lined up somewhere against a safety or even better, a linebacker? And, and that's an advantage the Browns want to have. But the, the thing is, the Browns did not do that a lot in 2020. Kareem Hunt was third in receptions for the Browns last season. He had 38 catches, 51 targets. He also led the uh, uh, Browns in receiving touchdowns. He had five. And we all know that the Browns' running game is closely tied to the passing game because everything feeds off the play action. But in terms of how often the running backs are targeted in the passing game and how often they're even running routes, the Browns ranked near the bottom of the league last season. Browns running backs were uh, targeted in the passing game 75 times. And again, Kareem Hunt had the bulk of that, but that tied for 26th in the league. And for frame of reference, Washington was first 161 attempts. The Ravens were last with 51. The Browns ranked even lower in routes run by running backs. They ranked 28th. So again, we know the, the, the Browns like to get matchup, try to get matchup advantages, but they really did that more with tight ends than running backs last season. Uh, Browns running back ran routes out of the slot just twice last season. They were both by Kareem Hunt. He had one catch, one drop. And again, that's in the regular season. Uh, running backs ran routes when they were lined up wide just seven times, which ranked about middle of the pack, 16th. Six of those were caught. Two of them were, were for touchdowns by Kareem Hunt. So you can see that if Felton becomes like this weapon that when he's on the field, however often that is, that if he becomes somebody who's consistently moved to the slot, that's going to be something relatively new for this offense. But that's a good thing because we've, we've talked about, and Kevin Stavansky's even said it, that the offense needs to evolve from what it was last season. 
you know, Anthony Schwartz speed can help with that, but also Felton's pass catching ability could help with that too. And he brought up the screen uh, to David Njoku. Browns threw 19 screens in the regular season last year, which ranked 19th, but they ranked 10th in yards gained by screens. And like, that was just something all season I'd expected to happen more often, knowing how often they did it uh, in Minnesota, how often Stefanski did it with Minnesota with Dalvin Cook. Uh, Cook was very good uh, at producing on screens. And I think that's an area where you could see this, this team evolving at kind of incorporating more of that. They threw five screens through the first eight games. And from week 10 after the bye through the playoffs, Chubb and Hunt by themselves caught 18 screens. So they seem to ramp it up there over the second half of the season. Now as for Felton, over his last two seasons at UCLA, he caught 16 screens. Three of them went for touchdowns. It's obviously something he has some experience doing. And he's, Again, someone who you get want to get out in space uh, behind some blockers, and it kind of turns into uh, you know weaving your way on a kick return and just using his quickness and elusiveness, breaking tackles, stuff like that. So that seems to be something that he would fit into in a way that the offense can do something a little different from from the, from last season. He's like Schwartz again, a guy who has an ability that maybe some of the players on the on the Browns do not have. I mean, when you watch him doing his wide receiver reps at the senior bowl and coming off the line. I I mean, Kareem Hunt doesn't do that. Nick Chubb definitely doesn't. Dernis Johnson doesn't, you know, that's just, that's something a little different. And uh, you know, if you get that kind of player in the sixth round of the draft then you're, you're doing something right. I still think though, if the Browns are going to throw a screen to a running back, like I really like when they throw a screen to Nick Chubb, I don't want Demetric Felton in the game instead of Nick Chubb getting screened, you know? So, so I do think there is like, and I think when you talk about some of this, like he can do things other people can't do and like wrinkle potential. I do think though, that's like two snaps a game. Like when everybody's healthy, because again, I mean, we're all excited. And it's like, it's like, well, who are you taking off the field of putting Anthony Schwartz and Demetri Felton on the field? You take an Odell Jarvis Chubb or hunt off. You're taking off your $10 million tight end in Austin Hooper. You're taking Harrison Bryant and David and Joku off. You're taking Rashard Higgins off. Like, who are you taking off the field for all these wrinkles? I think a lot of it is protect yourself against injury. Odell got hurt last year. When Odell got hurt, they didn't have any fast receivers. So Anthony Schwartz becomes much more important if Odell gets hurt. Because now at least you have another guy in the roster who can take a top off the defense. Demetric Felton, if Nick Chubb gets hurt, is a better answer than Deionis Johnson. If everybody's healthy, you know, these guys aren't going to play this year. But right. you have to have guys that can fill in better. I do think we saw, as much as people jo- as People's Jones emerged last year, they did have to do things a little differently offensively. That's where Schwartz helps, and I do think this helps here. But I just don't – I'm not trying to say it's impossible, but it is one of those things, Scott, if you have a, if you have a, a lineup where you have Higgins and Jarvis out wide – or Higgins and Odell out wide – Jarvis in the slot and on the opposite side you have Felton in the slot too and you have four guys wide and it's like well what are they doing here you know and it's like and now you send somebody in motion and you do something and whatever Felton I think is interesting enough to help to confuse a defense I don't think Felton if he's on the field they'd be like ah don't cover that guy like he's you know he can do something and sometimes just to give the defense another look all of a sudden it's the middle of the second quarter and on second and five you throw something out there that's a little different, even if he doesn't get the ball, can be helpful. Same with Schwartz. Well, keep in mind, and I know it's, it's hard to imagine how they're going to find uh, roles or spots on the field for some of these guys, but the Browns had 
multiple tight ends on the field a lot. They ran 13 personnel with three tight ends more than anybody. And they ran 12 personnel almost as much or almost more than almost everybody. I think they were 20, let's see, 26%. I mean, 296 plays, 26%. There were maybe one, two, three, four, five teams, six teams that had 12 personnel more than them. So what you're doing, I think, is taking one of those, one or two of those tight ends off the field and you're adding, you know, a running back. And then, you know, maybe you got three, three receivers. I mean, there's ways to do that. And I think the most logical way is to, to decrease the amount of times you have multiple tight ends on the field. They, they did use the three tight ends a lot, but their success rate on those plays was not great. I don't, I mean, I don't think they're going to just scrap 13 personnel, you know, you keep working at it and you get better, but you know, if there's a place to kind of draw back a little bit and maybe go for quality over quantity, it might be that. And, and that's how you get Felton on the field. And, you know, you have Felton and Chubb in the backfield. You, you have Felton go out wide to the right. And I think one of these kinds of plays was in Ellis's uh, breakdown he did after Felton was drafted. You know, Felton moving out into the slot or out into the flat out of the backfield, the, the defense notices that. And then, you know, the Bruins, UCLA, they threw it back the other way. I think it was actually a screen. So, yep. Yep. you know, you use his speed and his uh, the threat of, of doing something with him. And he got, that could also be Schwartz going in motion across the across the formation. But the defense notices those things, and then you know you have an advantage on the other side when you throw back to Chubb or Hunt or whoever in a screen. We always like to talk about Hunt and Chubb on the field together, and it never happens. And I think we've we, it's become pretty clear that they really think of those as those two guys sharing the one spot. It keeps them both fresh. They lean on them both so much that sort of want don't want to waste snaps. For him. Because if they're both on the field, only one can get the ball. And then the other one is either like having to block or do whatever that like, I do think if you want, and, and I think we all fell into the trap last year to some degree of like, man, Kevin Stefanski loves tight ends. He'd play four tight ends if he could. And it was actually like, well, it's kind of what we got, especially after Odell got hurt. It's like, let's use the personnel we have. And I think it's good. You've reminded, I think people on a couple podcasts of like, okay, they did do it more than anybody last year, but they weren't great at it. And some of it was by necessity. Maybe we'll see less of it and there will be opportunities for the guys. Maybe if they do have two running backs on the field, it's, it's Chubb and, and either Chubb and hunt. And then it's, and Felton that Felton's that second guy. He's the wrinkle. And, and if your third running back is good enough to get on the field, I mean, are you going to put the Ernest Johnson in there for real? I don't, I don't mean to bag on the guy, but I mean, it's like, Hey, let's do a two running back look with Chubb and the Johnson's like, Ooh, cool. Who's scared of the Johnson? Nobody. But Felton raises your level there and does open possibilities. That's what Schwartz and Felton do. They open possibilities. And I do think if you're getting that out of a sixth-round pick for a Super Bowl contender, that's a good use of a sixth-round pick. Yeah, there's also Andy Janovich to consider. Um, and he didn't he didn't get the time that I think we were expecting based on what C.J. Ham got in Minnesota. Uh, again, they didn't have two running backs like, like the Browns had, and uh, the situations are a little different. But just as far as – Stefanski's offense uh, I came away from last season kind of wondering why they had a fullback and whether or not they would actually keep one going into this season and I don't know how you get a lot more of Kareem Hunt and Chubb on the field or, or two running backs in general and and still working Janovich in there to the point where you're not just giving the play away when he's on the field you know um, I think he caught like five passes last season where he was targeted five times uh, so yeah, there's a lot of people to consider in that backfield. And that's one of the things obviously we're going to be watching during camp is how is this going to be different? How, you know, 
how are they going to work these new guys in? How are they going to work Felton in? Is Janovich still going to have a significant role? Are we going to see Chubb and Hunt together on the field? I mean, I like watching Kareem Hunt block in 2019. I thought that was pretty fun. Uh, and I'm sure he would be up for it because he's all about trying to run through people, whether he has the ball or not. And if Hunt's on the field and he's willing to block on a consistent basis, then I think that adds a little something to your offense. But then you're, like you said, you're losing, you're, you're losing the, uh, the freshness. And Kevin Stefanski would no longer be called the fresh maker. That's going to catch on this year. It's not that's happening. Gonna, that's going to good try. Well, you wanted the fresh maker. What did, what was the smooth what operator? Else? I think is what smooth, else It's not, it, neither is happening. It's just Kevin. I'm not even sure Kev would work. Like Coach actually, Ski. Actually, I prefer, uh, I prefer what's his middle name. Hey, can we call you Kev or Coach Ski? He's like, actually, I prefer Kevin James Stefanski. If you could please refer to me as that Coach Kevin James Stefanski on first reference. His um, mom's going to come out like Mitch Trubisky's mom, and he's gonna, she's going to tell us what we should call him. Yeah, it's not smooth <laughs> operator. That, that feels like a Scott Patsko story at Cleveland.com to me. Rank the worst Kevin Stefanski nicknames. The Fresh Maker, Smooth Operator, Coach Ski. We'll get them all lined up. All right, I, I got three little film clips on Demetric Felton that I want uh, the two of us to watch together, and we'll talk about those next on Gotta Watch the Tape. Doug Maurice and Scott Pasco back with my feeble film breakdown. Scott, I have a play. If people want to watch this, there is a, it's called Demetric Felton 2020-2021 Full Highlights. It's a compilation on YouTube. It's where I found this. This is at the 229 mark of that. It's from the UCLA-Oregon game. It's in the fourth quarter. Oregon's up 38-28. And this is my one – tell me it's wide zone. I think it's wide zone and a cutback late, which is a little – it's my favorite thing about Nick Chubb. I could watch Nick Chubb hit cutback lanes all day. That, I'm going on vacation. Actually, I'm on vacation as this is airing because we recorded this ahead of time. I didn't go anywhere. I'm just in my basement watching Nick Chubb hit cutback lanes. That's my vacation. In this slow is slow motion. Yeah, it's <laughs> chariots of fire. Nick Chubb, look at that. So this is a little bit of that. And this is me thinking that Demetric Felton looks like a real running back. So we're, let's run this, Scott. Tell me if I'm overestimating this. He comes out. Boom. There's the lane and into the end zone. That it's not. I mean, you know, I mean, it's not devastating, but it's like real running back play comes out a little bit, right? You can see two linemen pulling. Yeah, There's that's, the a, that's a Cleveland Browns play right there. And he hits it. And now this is a really good job of blocking by UCLA, but there's two linebackers. They get the two linebackers block. He hits that second level hole, breaks, gets around the safety with a stiff, stiff arm and gets in the end zone. Scott, that's like running back. That's not gadget guy. That's like if, they, if the Browns need to do that in week 11 because Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb is hurt, that makes me think he could do it for a series. Yeah, I think you can see Nick Chubb uh, on this play. Uh, it's is you know zone to the left and and the holes there. It's a really nice hole. And there's I mean maybe some questionable tackling angles from Oregon, but you know it's a ten point game. It's it's late in the fourth quarter. This is when you have to make plays, especially if you're you're down like UCLA is. And you can see a little bit of burst through the hole there. Like there's there's some opportunities maybe for guys to get him, but he moves through there quickly and. Yeah, I mean, he's not simply just a guy you're going to throw it to. Of course, I mean, Duke Johnson, you know, Duke Johnson ran those plays too. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and again, we are pro signed Duke Johnson. I just think he probably hit that better than Dearness Johnson would. 
again, which is this is becoming a Dearness Johnson slander podcast, and I don't <laughs> intend it to be. Um, all right, here's another one from Demetric Felton. Again, it's fourth quarter, but this is not like I'm always I'm wary sometimes of when you watch fourth quarter highlights and the guy who's in the highlight is not the number one guy. And it's like, oh, look, everybody else is tired and he's fresh. This is Demetric Felton, 22 carries a game in tight games in the Pac-12 and in the fourth quarter is getting it done. This is at the 540 mark of this highlight clip. It's 18-17 Arizona State, 138 left in the fourth quarter. It's just a straight handoff, and he hits a hole. He finds a hole to the left, vision, right? I'm looking for vision for from this guy. Hits the hole, gets to the second level, and then cut. He cuts a little bit. He could put his foot in the ground and get sideways. Cut, and then gets outside, stiff arm, physical he draws a 15 yard face mask on the penalty because as he's stiff arming the defender the defender grabs his face mask scott again like i didn't get the hybrid highlights that's not what i was looking for Mm -hmm. i was looking for can he be a real running back if they need him scott to me this is it again yeah you can't have the third guy not be able to do these kinds of things because as we saw last year uh the browns running game did struggle without chubb when it was just hunt having kind of have the brunt of the of the carries and and yeah, even with with Teller not in there, it was still just basically him getting the bulk of the carries. Uh, so you want that you need that third guy to be able to do these kinds of things. And I'm, again, it's not that Dernis Johnson definitely couldn't. We did see him do it in moments, but um, I mean, this is a guy that the that the front office drafted, and it just seems like he's probably going into camp as that third guy uh, with every opportunity to be that third guy. And Darnus Johnson has to do something above and beyond to make sure that that he's not. So if you're the Browns and you see clips of Felton doing these kinds of things, that's going to make you feel better. Uh, yeah, you got him because he's able to to catch passes and be that hybrid guy. But you also got to be be able to carry through between the tackles, and he can clearly do that. It's kind of what you talked about before, Scott. It's it's like the idea of if you know what they're going to do when, when the guy's in the game, it's like, well, okay, great. Thanks. Thanks for like giving the play away. And if, and if he can run through the tackles enough, you're not giving the play away. Last clip, Scott, this one is against USC. The defensive tackle for USC gets penetration immediately off the snap and drives the interior lineman for UCLA into the backfield and Felton gets to him and there's two bodies in his way. And he jump cuts to the left, finds the hole, puts his right foot in the ground, cuts to the left, breaks a tackle from the safety who came up into the hole and then gets to the second level and has gone down the sideline. And again, it's one more time. There are some back, Scott, maybe the guys who wouldn't get picked in the sixth round, but when there's this much penetration on a play by an interior defensive lineman, it's over, right? They just run straight into this. This is like slither, cut, break a tackle, bounce outside and gone. One last time, that's real running back play to me, and it's why he's going to be the third running back for the Browns in 2021. Yeah, they, I think a lot of times when when you get the handoff, you take one step, and there's a def, you know your lineman's on the ground, there's a defender in front of you, you're, you're stopping and maybe trying to bounce out wide, trying to get something out of it, or if you do get around him, it's just kind of diving into the hole, and he doesn't do that. He gets around the bodies in front of him, and he he stays up, and he. He works his way through the, through the hole that is there. And, you know, there's no kind of diving and just getting what you can. It's, it's a, a smaller guy, not afraid of some contact who works his way through there and turns into a big play. He's a smaller guy. He gets low. He delivers the stiff arm. He's physical at the point of contact, gets through the contact, and then he has a burst outside. 
I mean, I, I just think this works. And I just, I, my main point in all of this is not that I'm a film expert. It's I went looking to see if he could be a running back. And I think he can be. And then everything else is extra. I do think maybe initially people were so excited about the extras. And again, on like the live draft, when it happened, they were like, oh, he's going to be a receiver. He's going to be a receiver. Man, this is, this is running back play. 22 carries a game in the Pac-12. And UCLA wasn't great, but they're playing. I mean, listen, man, UCLA's got talent. I mean, USC's got talent. He's doing this against USC. Oregon, like Oregon's going to be a top 10. Oregon's got dudes, right? And he's doing that against Oregon. Like there, I, I, there's enough there for me to think it's, it's going to happen. And, but I think, I think people are excited. I just think, I think they were excited about the other stuff. And I'm more excited about the foundational stuff, which to me has to be there to allow the other stuff to happen. Because if he can't be your third running back, and if you're like, he can't, he can't do it. We have to keep Dearness Johnson. Then I'm not sure how he makes the roster. I think if he's, of course, if he's getting, you know, 22 carries uh, and doing this kind of stuff next season, something probably went horribly wrong, but, and I don't know if, if that's even in his future in the NFL, but you're right in that, you need to be able to do some of that because you can't just give away your role on the field. Uh, if, if you're just, you know, kind of a one trick pony and they know, okay, he's going to be, they're either going to throow it because he's on the field or we were expecting him to, to motion out into the slot or out wide or something. Right. So I think it can work. I think it's a good pick. I think he'll make the team. And I think in an emergency he can help the Browns get through an emergency, which is all they're looking for here. All right. That's another guy to watch the tape. We appreciate you guys listening. As always, we've now worked through every draft pick that we're going to work through on this podcast. So that means we got to find something else to do. And uh, by the way, uh, Scott, that's all on you to figure that out. <laughs> just Ellis and I will just show up. Just tell us like uh, what your great idea is. We've gone through the division foes. We've gone through everybody they picked we've gone through all the free agents that mattered i mean if you want to do a breakdown about like why josh allen isn't as good as people think like i'm here for it so i mean like you know if we want to move on to other potential opponents i think we're going to do a deep dive into uh Dernis johnson and, and why he's going to make the team and we'll, we'll do that when you're on vacation we'll do the uh the rebuttal podcast We'll do that. We'll do special podcasts on everyone that's been slandered yes. on this podcast over the years. So that Rashard Higgins podcast will also be coming when you're on vacation, Scott. So we'll be that's ready. Right. All right. Thanks to you guys for joining us. Thanks to Scott Patsko for all that work. Ellis Williams will be back soon for now. Thanks for diving in on Gotta Watch the Tape.